All right. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We are good. This is episode 18 of that One Vato's podcast. 18 of these things? 18. Did anybody listen to the first 17? Um, I don't think so. You I th- and your mom. Oh, my mom. mom's dead, dude. Oh. <laughs> What wow, is- what a good start to the show. <laughs> Our next guest is a jerk. <laughs> He's a jerk. Uh, poor Brian. He didn't know. He didn't know, guys. He didn't know. Don't 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 get mad at uh, him. My dad's dead. <laughs> Does that even us? But you're like 105. So uh, like- <laughs> that's right. <laughs> my next guest is one of the coolest white guys I know. He's also my coworker. I used to say colleague, but one time he kind of made fun of me. He's like. Why do you say colleague? Just say coworker, and I'm just yeah. like, so he's the only person I call a coworker. Everyone else is colleagues too. <laughs> you have nine colleagues and one coworker. <laughs> Mister Brian Bose, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for coming over. Tell them where we are. This we're, is like the, the studio. We're in Brian's porch slash patio slash bar slash um, backyard. Backyard. Yeah, it's in a very nice neighborhood. Very far. It is. Like, when people say, um, hey, do you live out by SeaWorld? I live out by SeaWorld. <laughs> I was one of those guys. I was warned when I moved to San Antonio, whatever you do, don't get a place out by SeaWorld. Why? Because people say, do you live out by SeaWorld? What did we do? We got a place out by SeaWorld. <laughs> no, this is this is pretty far. I live off of, I kind of live off of 1604. It took me a hot minute to get hot here. Man, yeah. But it's very nice. My credit score went up when I entered the neighborhood. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> so, Brian, how long have you been in the business? Because uh, TV, just in general. Because you know, I hear the radio. I heard anchor. I'm a swore. Um, uh, I don't care, dude. Go for it. Well, I'm not gonna cuss, cuss. I was just gonna say it's been a long time. Uh, let's see. I've been in broadcasting since 2003. Excuse me, 1993. That's not true. It's TV since 2003. So I was in radio right out of college. Mm. So I got a radio job in 1993. You remember 1993? Yeah. It was a very good year. I wasn't even a twinkle in my parents' eye. <laughs> <laughs> 1993. Let's yeah. see. What, what's, what's, what happened in 93? 93 with the Bulls won, right? Yeah, unfortunately, the yeah. Bulls won. Yeah, Brian hates them. Brian's a Michigan guy. We'll get to that later, but he's... He's as Michigan as they get. Yeah, like he he probably he used to babysit Eminem when he was a kid, oh. when his palms were sweaty. You know what? We we <laughs> this is just we're gonna have about eighteen tangents because right now I'm gonna tell you that I don't think Eminem has any talent whatsoever, zero talent. What? Right? Like, what does he do? He just talks. He talks lyrics. Like, imagine we're out here on the porch, right? And and this is what Eminem does. I'm looking at the wall. I'm looking at the window. I'm looking at the wall again. You see it over there? I'm looking at the bar and some trees. And look at the birdie fly by. Oh, me. Like, he has no, He just rhymes what he sees. He just talks lyrics. Sitting on concrete. Sitting on a chair. I'm wearing pants underneath my underwear. Like, that is not hard to do. You sound like Curtis Blow. <laughs> Maybe I'm old, right? So I mean, it's just like, it's just not talent to me. It's just not talent to me. It's just wow. rhyming words and what you see. Wow. And he thinks he's good. <laughs> All right. So back to 93. That's when you That's when college. I babysat Eminem and I told him he wasn't good. And he went on to start him. Yeah. Wow. He, he owes you like. Send him an invoice. See, you know, see what he sends you back. Send him an invoice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so ninety three. From what I remember, you said that 
you were following in your dad's footsteps because you, you don't you have a business degree? Yeah, yeah, really, I do. I uh, I went to school and initially I always thought I wanted to run my own little sporting goods store or something like that. And I got going through business. That was boring as shit. It was awful. And I was like, okay. Well, I like I was coaching at the time. Like right out of high school, I coached JV basketball. I was an assistant JV basketball coach. Wow. And then I started coaching football at my alma mater. And I ended up coaching basketball and baseball for seven years. And I was doing all this coaching. And I loved it. I really liked uh, working with kids. And I was like, well, maybe since I'm all this way into a business degree, I'll teach business. I didn't want to be a teacher either. I got, I, I mean, it just, you just find yourself in college. And I found myself actually doing play by play for college basketball games, my school's basketball games. I really enjoyed it. You could, you know, you could mess with your voice. You could, you know, be enthusiastic, downtrodden if the other team scored. Basket by 32 for Holst. You know, I mean, that's all you had to do. You know, something, something like that. That's how the Spurs are. Yeah. I, they, they had a, the, oh, I forgot the dude. He's a redheaded guy. But it'd be like, Tony Parker, lay up. And then it's like, LeBron James. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> like, so I really enjoyed that. So I went to one of my communications professors who I really respected. And I said, what do you think? Should I stick around for another year and get that business communications dual major? And he said, just graduate and go find a job. Wow. And it was the best advice I ever got because um, that's what I did. I had a business degree and I immediately started looking for radio jobs. And it took me a while, a hot minute, a few months a lot of months, almost a year, <laughs> uh, but I found a radio job. And my first radio job was working seven to midnight at an AM station in tiny little Holland, Michigan. And basically, uh, it was a board op, which for those of you that don't know, means you're playing a lot of commercials and then you do the ID at the top of the hour. It's 701, <laughs> you know, oh you're listening God. to. Yeah, it was, there wasn't much to it. And it was 30 hours a week. I think I made $14,000 that first year. And that was still wasn't a lot for '93. Well, by then it was '94, and um, yeah, it just it just kind of sprung. I stuck with it, and uh, you know, I've been doing it since something in broadcasting since 1993. So we're looking almost at 30 years now, 27 years. Wow. Yeah. So, what was your 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 tag, your intro? Because I I remember you uttered, you you shouted it out in the newsroom one time, and it was incredible. <laughs> oh, like what the, what the uh, like what will we say on the radio? Yeah. Oh man, let's see. There was one station in Fort Wayne. This is this is in between in between um, a, a baseball play by play job and TV. Mm-hmm. And I was just just for side side work. I was DJing at, at a let's see ninety seven point three WMEE Fort Wayne's number one hit music station. We won't say or play anything that might embarrass you in front of your kids in the car. We're 97.3 WMEE Fort Wayne's family station. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, I can't believe I remember it. Almost. <laughs> so you're freaking hilarious. Um, what, where, where's your inspiration? Cause I remember we kind of like connected as far as comedy goes. Oh, right we, away. Right away. Yeah. <laughs> right it make me laugh all the time, but. But I, I love comedy. Like, I, I really do. And, I, I um, think it's, I, you know, and I could ask you the same thing. I mean, what got you into comedy? Was there a person? Was there was there something? And, you know, my family seemed really lame now that I, I when I was growing up. And yeah. when I look back and I was like, there wasn't anybody funny. My Uncle Jerry was funny, but he just told puns. Mm-hmm. You know, and he still tells puns. You know, he's a 60-some-year-old guy just making puns. Dad jokes out the, you know, he was 20-something <laughs> telling puns. And I think it was just... 
I, I don't know. I had funny friends. Yeah. And I always, you know, that made, they made me laugh. So I wanted to make them laugh. And it just became this competition of making each other, you know, trying to do things to make each other laugh. And I think I've watched a lot of TV. You know, you think of the old the old movie, The Cable Guy, or Cable Guy with uh, Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey yeah. And he says, you know, the babysitter's dead. And the babysitter was the TV. And he watched so much TV. But I related to that so much. I watched so much TV and it was always comedy. Comedy, 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 comedy. And you kind of, it, it, it's strange and you kind of pick up on it. You, you yeah. try to do a lot of the voices. You try to do a, a lot of the sketches. You know, like, you know, I, I'm a little bit older, so um. When I when I think of my comedy inspiration, it goes to like Mike Myers and Farley and Phil Hartman yeah. and those guys in the eighties. Like my like uh, that's like the late eighties, early nineties yeah, SNL, right? Yeah, that's like when I was going from high school to college, and it was like that was cool. That that them their ability to ad lib to me was yeah. cool, and it's like how do they do that? So you just kind of practice and you read up on it i mean I, I had books on comedy writing secrets and how to write a screenplay and, yeah you know that's that was the dream but i never i never really had the guts to do it um so it's funny that you mentioned that conan was actually a writer at that I know. time right well the simpsons yeah he was writing for the simpsons but also snl yes um, yes he's, he's on a couple of snl episodes from those yeah videos, i see like those little, in the, in those the little cameos yeah yeah Conan's one of my favorites. It's weird because my mom was always a funny person in the family. Like she was the one who if people were like family members or beefing or whatever, she could diffuse it by just being funny. Yeah. And I got that from her. I learned that from her. And, you know, growing up in the hood, you know, I was never like a, a tough guy or anything. Like my best friend was like the guy. You weren't a tough beat. guy? Nah, man. What? Yeah, dude. I'm 6'3". What's two, the name of this podcast? 270. That one Vato's podcast. Yeah, man. I thought for sure you were like this, you know. Tough nah. dude walking down the streets, <laughs> eyeballing With the people Rottweiler. left and right, snapping your fingers. Girls on the left of me, girls on the right. <laughs> no, that wasn't you. Nah, man, no. I can't even get a, a text back. You know, <laughs> that was directed at you. I don't know who you are. You know who you but are. But you're listening. You know who you are. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna timestamp. <laughs> no, so my mom, she was the funny one, and um, it's crazy because I love like Fresh Prince. I grew up off of Fresh Prince. Oh yeah. You know, I was born when the series was about to wrap up, but oh, wow. I didn't. I didn't have cable growing up, so they would air it on Fox all the time. So it'd be Simpsons at five thirty, Fresh Prince at six, and then something else at six thirty. I think it was like the Drew Carey show or something. But it's all I would watch was Fresh Prince and. Will Smith is hilarious. I started to watch him, Martin Lawrence, Eddie Murphy. Great. Because uh, Eddie Murphy made a lot of child-friendly movies, but I also grew up with Nutty Professor, uh, those films. But um, I think when I got older, I started to – like Chappelle Show. Oh, yeah. We, we had a computer, right? We didn't have internet. We couldn't afford internet, but like we just bought this desktop off of somebody. Like, it was just some like random desktop, and all I would play was Chappelle Show because my sister had the DVD set. So. And Chappelle – Push the limits so much, like you were watching it, and you were like, oh, mm -hmm. "Oh, he's getting away with that, right?" And you were like, "How?" I, I, okay, somebody my age was saying, "Oh, he's getting away with that because you couldn't get away with that." Yeah, you know, Family Ties, Cheers, you know, like Cosby Show. They didn't get away with anything except a lesson at the end. Yeah, and Chappelle's just telling it like it is, and you're like, "You know, I have DVDs in there, like oh, all the man. Chappelle seasons," and it's like, "Oh my gosh, it was that to me." was um groundbreaking what the simpsons did what family guy did about seven eight years after that 
that was missed. You know, they had two seasons, you know, and were taken off the air. But yeah, then they, they went came on back. Hiatus. Yeah, I remember. And that. then um, what Chappelle was doing, and and it was it was it was that ability to speak to something that even if it was wrong, they were making fun of it. Um, just I think of Chappelle, and it's like uh, you know I don't want to go too far into yeah. into what I say, but it's like we all know his sketches. Yeah. And and you watched him, and you were like, yes. Mm-hmm. I can't say that. I can't do that. But you know who can? Dave Chappelle. And it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that dude's incredible. Uh, the black KKK member. Please. <laughs> that was the funniest freaking thing. That was on the first episode, too, I oh believe. Oh, my god! I think it was that first episode. Was it? Was th- the first one? I, I think so. Oh you got god. hate in your heart. Let it out. <laughs> He's just, I mean. Yeah. And, he- and, that's, and that's, that's fun that you grew up with that because it's like. That opened up a lot of doors for people, mm-hmm. and then people took it too far. I mean, look at now we now we we are two three years removed from the Me Too movement, and then you had guys that thought they could say anything they want. Oh, it's just in the name of comedy. Well, it's it's this nice balance between um, being funny and being rude. Yeah, you can't you, you can't be rude and offensive and then just claim ignorance. Oh no, that's supposed to be funny. No, it's still rude, dude. Yeah. I mean, find find a way to do it where you're making fun of that person who is rude. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think Chappelle found that. I think there's numerous comedians, stand-up comedians that do that. But, I mean. Yeah, I like Bill Burr, too. Bill Burr's hilarious. I, found a way to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He found a way to do it. Um, and then you, you had all these people that just took themselves too seriously. We're, we're Louis C.K., to me, I would never go see that guy. Mm-hmm. To me, he's ruined his career. Was he funny? Um, kind of. And then, and, you know, okay, and you were watching him, you were like, why is this big, tall, redhead goof saying that stuff? Oh, and by the way, he's taking down his pants and showing himself to women. What a what a dick. Yeah. So pardon the pun. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I mean, I mean, for, for me, I, I think hopefully <clears throat> where, where we've been and then what we went through and then where we've been again and what we went through, hopefully it just breeds a whole new... Um, group a whole new um, lineup of comedians and people that can make people laugh and when you say that and go oh yeah you know at the end of it you know what I mean that that's what I hope and it's like there's such a balance right now you know I I, I think I think to myself you know when people come out and they're like uh, ripping on Chappelle how did Chappelle get away and it's like you're missing the point man yeah you're just missing the point. I think he's reached like this I don't know it's like this level this genius level where it's like his success like his success is supposed to make him seem like or like if you reach success like he has you're supposed to be out of touch but for some reason he's not or even when he is out of touch he figures out you know he he, figures it out that's a good way to put it yeah he he learns his lesson you know and kind of moves on from it um which is which is weird because there's a lot of comedians who are super successful now and they're just out of touch or they just talk about stuff that's really not interesting, really not that funny. Right. Um, but yeah, that's that's awesome. Like I'm, I, I just noticed that I was like, this guy's so freaking hilarious, and it's funny. Back in was it February? I had recorded a an episode, and you you had mentioned what you used to do. You know, back in your day, you didn't have a podcast. Oh. Do you remember that when I told you about my podcast? No. What did I say? I just I just ramble sometimes. You did that voice. Oh. <laughs> I'm lobbing it up, man. Just dunk it already. Oh, you're just softballing me. Yeah. Podcast in my day, we didn't have podcast. 
We sat around with cassette tapes, popped them into the ghetto blaster, and recorded songs. <laughs> songs by Stevie Wonder, like the woman in red. And we were hip and cool, and we knew it, and we liked it. It's like that. That's what you were lopping up for me. Thanks. <laughs> They, weren't you a kickball player too? <laughs> kickball? We didn't play kickball. We opened up the window and yelled at our friends three houses down. Get outside, let's kick rocks. Kick rocks at ants. And if we miss them, we'll stomp them into the ground and say, We're boss. We're the boss. We're the humans. You're just ants. Then we went inside and had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Watched cartoons all day. And they were offensive too about World War II. We didn't care. When our parents tried to put us to bed at night, we'd say, no, we're going to stay up. I already said family does. And watch family ties. And worship Alex P. Keaton. I don't even know who that is. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. That is rolling. But then you talk about humor. It's like that's something like a smile after doing that because it's like. My, my favorite part of humor is when people ad lib and it's just whatever pops into your head, go with it. And then the second part, the second part is I, I, there's a little, there's a little SNL, especially Fallon went overboard, but la if you can laugh in the middle of your, in the middle of your bit and then go back to character, that's okay. Yeah. I think that's okay. You know, no, I, 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 I find that funny. That was always some of my favorite stuff. <laughs> I've seen a lot stuff, of people do that. Is when, with, when you make yourself giggle just a little bit, stay in character and then go back to it, you know? Well, I see that a lot in wrestling, and I know you were a wrestling fan back oh, in the yeah. day, back in the Nitro. I heard you you told me you were an NWO guy. I, well, I, I was officially a real NWO guy. I was in a show, and uh, uh, the WCW came to Grand Rapids, and they had an event at the Van Andel Arena. Uh, and uh, it was, you know, a Monday Night Raw, or Nitro, Monday Night Nitro. And my buddy worked there, and he's like, hey! Hey, they need people for the show. I don't know. You guys are into wrestling, right? So my boss and I are like, yeah. So my boss, you know, gets the guy who works. At, by then I was working three to seven on the radio. Yeah. And he's like, gets the night guy to come in like an hour early with some made up excuse so I could leave and go be part of wrestling, right? They're like, they need people to be like in this NWO or something. So we race down there, you know, like flashing our credentials, you know, like our licenses, like we're Wayne and Garth trying to get backstage to see Alice Cooper. Like, we cool? We cool? We're supposed to be back here? Got back in and they, we, they gave us t-shirts and we came out with like these uh, signs that said NWO. We were like, you know, like, Walked out with six or X Pac or whatever he ended up being. Six Pac. What did that oh, guy? Uh, that, what was I he think, called then? I think, six. I think when he went to he was six because right? he was the kid in the w, kid. WWF, and yeah. then he went. I think he became yeah. X Pac and came back as X Pac. Or, sure, what, what, whoever he was. Yeah. But we walked out with him, and it was just like six or seven of us, and he's out there. You know, it was just all for TV, and it's like yeah. here comes the NWO, and, and you know we're out there. We made the show right, and my buddy who didn't know anything about wrestling, he's a tiny little guy, and he's like, he's like, you know, we're walking, and somebody throws a beer right into his face, just <laughs> full beer. Just he's like, hey, what the hell? <laughs> what, is, what, is, what are we doing? We're all like, oh my God, it's the greatest experience. Oh my God. Got to God. meet Hogan, Sting, uh, Paul White, who's the giant, great guy. Oh, um, yeah. Kevin Nash was a complete ass. I heard. Yeah. Uh, Scott Hall was really good. And it was it was, it was hey, fun yo. to meet all those guys. But Hogan was the funniest. Hogan was actually the funniest. Uh, oh, my, wow. my buddy who did no wrestling walked in on him and Bischoff having a meeting. Um, we were just in a side room. 
thinking it was the bathroom. And he's like, sorry, Mr. Hogan. I thought it was the bathroom. And Hogan came back in and talked to us for a while. Gives him a trash can. He's like, here, pee in this, man. Piss in this if you got it. You know, like, it was, it was just like, it was like a cool experience. Yeah. Wow. So who were your favorite wrestlers at the time? My favorite wrestlers growing up? Or at that time? Or whenever, yeah. Or give me your all-time. My favorite all-time wrestler is Macho Randy. Man. Macho Man. Randy Macho Man Savage. Oh, my gosh. Flamboyant. Unbelievable. Elizabeth. I can do it. I can. <laughs> I know you can. You, are you, are you, yeah, are you I'm, throwing I'm, me I'm, another softball? Yeah, dude. You got to do it. Oh, let me get ready right now, Jose. <laughs> let me tell you something right now, brother. <laughs> I'm sitting out here in this squared circle of concrete on Brian's porch doing this podcast, and I'm saying to myself, I feel great. I feel outstanding. <laughs> and I'm going to take you down, brother, bit by bit, inch by inch, until I just pound you into a little pulp. That's what I'm saying. Step into a Slim Jim. Dig it. <laughs> so. Oh, I, I actually went to the corner store the other day, and they have a Randy Savage oh, come on. case. Yes, for the Slim Jim. And it has Slim Jim. They have one right down the road here. I'm like, I, every time I go in there, I mean, it's COVID, right? And I want, I'm in a mask, and I'm like, I want to be like, when you guys are done with this, can you, could you like put that aside for me? Because I'd like to have it. And I'm like, dumb. <laughs> what am I gonna do with a Slim Jim dispenser with Randy Macho Man Savage on it? That's hilarious. Yeah. So I love, I love Macho Man. I love the Ultimate Warrior. Oh wow! Yeah. Rest in peace. And who didn't love Hacksaw Jim Duggan? Do you remember? No, oh. you might be too. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, wow, the four two by, by four. Two by four. Well, yeah. he came. He had a, a stint in the WWE in the mid two thousands. Came back with a four by four. Yeah, <laughs> American flag and everything. Yeah, that guy was crazy. Yeah, I don't. Never understood that guy because. I was just like, oh, he's, I mean, I liked him as a kid because I was like, oh, this guy, like, he's a, he's an old wrestler. He's back. He's a good guy. Whatever. I'll he's a good him. guy. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. That was fun. The wrestling, wrestling was fun. And I, I think, I think the people who don't get wrestling don't get the fact that you're watching it for, um, what did Bill Simmons used to call it? The, uh, the UCF, the unintentional comedy factor. Yes. You know, like wrestling's UCF is like at 94 on the scale. So hilarious. Yeah. Like it's basically... Those days, those Monday night shows were like three hours of comedy, but it was so unintentional. And it was just like so funny to watch. <laughs> you, you could sit with your buddies or talk and just giggle. And, 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 you know, if you didn't take yourself too seriously with it, or them too seriously, it was very funny comedy. You know? Yeah, it was great. I, I loved it. I mean, John Cena's doing pretty well, like transitioning to. How about Batista? Oh, I love Batista. I mean, I love him. And, and you, you get that after the fact now that they've really opened it up. Um, they had that John Stossel 2020 interview when I was probably in, in high school about wrestling being real. And he did this. I mean, it was such a worthless piece, but it was it was for 2020. Wait, was, was that like, the guy who got smacked? Yes, got smacked. Oh, dude, yeah. they just did a, you need to watch it, Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. Dude, those are great. And it was like, it was they were so trying to hide the fact that it wasn't scripted back then. I mean, the guy really got, he, he, <laughs> he hit John Stossel in the ear and busted his eardrum. Dude. I mean, what are you doing? Uh, and and once they've gotten over that, that threshold that and, and took you behind the curtain and they're like, you know, we're, we're real people. This is scripted. This is basically acting. Yeah. And all these people have come out and now they're good actors. Okay, good actors, entertaining actors. Yeah. You know what I mean? Paul White, the giant. Uh, in the water Cena, Cena's very successful. I love I mean, him in Trainwreck and Sisters. Yeah, I mean, and we're forgetting, we're forgetting about The Rock. The Rock, he's a, he's, <laughs> he's superstar. Bigger than, yeah. like, 
It's crazy. So it's like I love I love that they've really been able to highlight what these these guys' talents. And it wasn't just throwing people off the the top turnbuckle, brother. It was it was about what they could do. Yeah. Mean, a lot of them were very talented people. And well, I can't imagine yeah. being being on, imagine being on live TV on the mic. Yeah, of tens of thousands of people. I know that always amazed me too. It's that's, like you know, that's the ultimate ad lib, right? Is wrestling yeah. the ultimate ad lib? And they say it's scripted, but when you're live in front in in, in Mean Gene or whoever asks you a question, and oh, it's yeah. like. You know, you got to do that Macho Man thing where he's like, a little bit of you, I want to rub you into a little Rick Flair, man. Rick yeah. Flair is just like, yeah. oh, man, he's just incredible on the mic. The Rock's Great. incredible on the mic. Cena. Um, so when you're done with with radio and you're transitioning to TV in 03, yeah. um, where where do you land in 03? Oh, man, I'm in Fort Wayne at the time. Uh, baseball, minor league baseball brought me to Fort Wayne. So I did um, two years of play-by-play was for the minor a? league affiliate. AAA? That was A, oh, A-ball, wow. Midwest League. But it was the Padres. So, I mean, met great people through through them. So it was, uh, I mean, Jake Peavy was on our team. Wow. So, I mean, it was really cool when Peavy won. It was the first time. I mean, I've never sent a text like this, but I was like, congratulations on the Cy Young. <laughs> I mean, that was cool. You know, because Peavy was a good kid. Um, and we had some good players through those two years, but, you know, no, nobody special, but. Uh, they did come in for a, um, a exhibition game, so I, I got a 15 minute one on one with Tony Gwynn. I shook all the way through it. My hand holding the tape recorder just shook really? the whole time. It was, you know, at that point, you know, I was still kind of green, you know, still kind of new to everything, and to meet a superstar, a, a future Hall of Famer like Tony Gwynn, and to have a one on one, I was freaking out. Was it because you were you were doing this? But you weren't interacting with yeah. people. Yeah, like you're that. up in your little booth, you know. I mean, back yeah. then, God, that first that first season, that first month, I tried to smoke while I uh, I used to smoke back then. I tried to smoke and call the games at the same time. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and then I listened back to the tapes. I'm like, you could totally tell. I just, you know, I just, I'm exhaling smoke. The two two, pish. You know, it was like it was, <laughs> it was it wasn't good. So, but but I went from uh, baseball for two years. Realized. That's a really like everybody thinks that's a, that's a dream job, until you lose your five months of your year, and you have what five, six, maybe seven days off, and it's like uh, Saturdays, Sundays, you know, you might have a in your days off or Monday or Thursday, and it was just it was just tough. It was yeah. just tough. It was you know long stretches and hotel rooms, and it just wasn't for me, you know. And it was like I, I wanted like broadcasting, but it wasn't the play by play thing. So uh, I then uh, started teach. Well, I so substitute taught, taught, and then I taught third grade for a year. And in the meantime, I was doing that. Uh, that we talked earlier about that DJ job. And then the guy I actually was my color guy for the minor league baseball team was a TV sportscaster. He was wow. a weekend sportscaster. He's like, "Hey, we're, we have a f- photographer opening. Would you be interested?" I was like, "Yeah, that's fine." He's like, "I'm, I'm like, I've never done held a TV camera in my life." it's okay got me in there and they're like uh part-time photographer part-time teacher at that point uh part-time part-time dj and then a sports job opened up like this was in i didn't know it at the time but they were setting me up like get your foot in the door learn how to work a camera and then we'll see if you can do weekend sports and they put me on air and the rest is history i've just wow you're you're basically Mexican, dude. You had like 25 jobs. A lot of them, <laughs> lot of them man. But I like it. I mean, for the longest time, I didn't have a job that lasted more than three years. I mean, I never stuck around more than three years anywhere. I just got bored. 
Yeah. What was your sport that you loved watching? Baseball. Baseball. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Hell yeah. Can I get a hell yeah? <laughs> Do you want to see, Brian? Take a sip of this LaCroix. Give me a hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're a Tigers fan? Or am I... I'm a Tigers fan, yeah. Oh, wow. Big Tigers fan. Well, lately. <laughs> lately, I mean, you knew it was coming to a... We had a nice little 12-year run there, and you knew the way they were spending. It was, it was going to... Yeah. eventually come down so you can play it you can play baseball a couple of different ways as a general manager you can play a conservative and build your farm system and have yeah you know you know have your third place and occasionally maybe win them or get to the playoffs and you know have your nice 20-year run or you can go for it and have a nice run and the tigers were fortunate they had the verlanders and the scherzers yeah. and the cabreras and i mean they were loaded for the longest time but their payroll was so big for a team that's not new york or la and you know, eventually it was going to crumble, guys age. So now they're building back up again. So it's kind of fun to be that fan if you don't take it too seriously. Yeah. If you understand baseball and you understand um, you're going to have your ups and downs. And right now, the fun thing about being a Tiger has the, the losing has been fun to see who we get in the draft. You're like, oh, who's this next group going to yeah. be these young? And we you get Casey Mize and you get Riley Green. And this year you get Tur- Torkelson. And you're like, Wow, this is to make you. We're gonna be good in a couple of years. So it's kind of you know it's hills and valleys. I you know as long as you're competitive, I I think it's fun. Did you ever play baseball? Yeah, I played. Uh, I played three years in college till I jacked my ankle. Jeez. And then I was what like, position? I ain't. I wasn't going anywhere. So why? You know, they're like, you can redshirt. I'm like, I'm getting the hell out of college. I'm not redshirting. Yeah. What position were you? Well, I'm a first baseman by trade, but mostly in college I DH'd. Okay. I just hit. Nah, so. I my dad loves baseball he forced it on me i enjoyed it until it got annoying uh but dude is 66 years old and he still plays oh wow crazy yeah so uh i grew up an astros fan i've always been an astros fan but then for a split second just because they were terrible when i was a kid i would i rooted for the red sox because they never won yeah and then they had that run in in 04 because I remember who, who won 03 was the Marlins because they beat um, New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. Well, yeah. The Florida Marlins. Back right. when they were the Florida well, Marlins. Well, I always, th- I always think of that because they beat the Cubs. The Cubs were up 3-1. And the Cubs were mouth. The Cubs fans were set. Oh, man. They were they were booking hotels and stuff for the World Series. And the Marlins came back and won three in a row. It was awesome. Yeah. You know, because it was like. Forgot about man, that. Man, you guys haven't won anything ever. And you're mouthing off. Win the final game. And they didn't. So now they blame Bartman, and it's like, come on. Poor Bartman. Poor Bartman. I wonder how he's doing right now. So, yeah, that happens. The Red Sox have their crazy run. I'm excited as a baseball fan. They win. And then 05, Houston makes it and yeah. gets freaking destroyed. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. I was a, I was a huge Clemens fan, too. Yeah. They, uh, I don't you know, you know you, you, I've always been, like, an Astros fan. Just because of the players they've had. I, t- I tend to like the players they've had. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's not your favorite team, but you're like, you know, they get to the playoffs. I, I root for, you remember? No, Bijou? you don't remember this. Billy Hatcher. No, the, the I 80, my time. Oh, man. Oh, brother. The 85 Astros uh, with Billy Hatcher. And yeah, I was rooting for them to go so bad, so bad. And I, I don't know. I just like guys like Billy Hatcher, you know, yeah. in 85. And I remember 
coaching powder, powder puff football after school, <laughs> after practice. We had school, practice, and then you coach powder puff football because you were a loser. And <laughs> and I was listening to it in my headphones. This makes me a double loser. I was listening to the baseball game oh while I was coaching, and, and Billy Hatcher in that uh, NLCS was unbelievable. You know, they fell short, but I've always been kind of a, I've had a soft spot for the Astros. So especially when the sign stealing thing came out, I felt bad. I know. You know, cause you're like, that's, it's on them. It's on them. Yeah. Live with it. You know, suck it up. Be a man, you know, be a, take your accountability. Was like, it was so incredible because Harvey just happened. And that was like, you know, that was the one good thing that Houston had for themselves yeah. that year. Cause that year was just terrible for them. You know, and you had my boy Verlander. Yeah. Yeah. So that really sucks. But um, let's go back to let's go to basketball. Oh man, come you're, on! You're a Pistons fan. Come on, you, you're a bad boys guy. Hey, well, let me ask you this: Who's were my you, favorite player? No, were you a um, <laughs> were you a Fab Five guy? Yeah, okay. yeah, I got to see them play in person. Really, it was really fun. Yeah, that first that first year that when they were all freshmen uh, at a tournament in Orlando, happened to be on. Uh, a Christmas in Florida, and they were playing BYU in some term, some jank tournament in Orlando, and watched them play. And they were they were they were fun to watch, man. Dang! And they were all like 18, 19 year old kids, and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> they are amazing. Do you yeah. think they're the greatest team to never win it in college? Oh, to never win it? Because there's a lot of great. There's teams. a lot of great teams to never win it. Yeah. Um, to go, I think what they did at their age and how basketball was then to go to back to back finals. Is amazing. Might yeah. be the most amazing thing in college hoops because it's like they're they're as five freshmen. It was pretty, and they had no bench. People forget they had like Rob Palinka. It was like their seventh man, right? And you were like, what? And they had no. I didn't know Rob Palinka was on the team. Rob Palinka was on one of those teams. I I, wow. I think it was the Fab Five year, but you you'll have to double check. Well, he's pretty. That. I mean, he's not he's not that old, right? Like he's he's, he's Rob like Palinka was a Michigan player, and he was just average at best. But they had no bench, and they were so good. It was, it was fun to watch, you know, and I like that Jalen, like Jalen and Jawan were really mouthy kids back then, right? Yeah. They were just, and they've grown up and they're really good adults. I really yeah. like that. That's my favorite part of it is Jalen, Jalen um, is a great commentator and he, he's not afraid to speak his mind and he's active. He's politically active and he, he's great. He has his own school. Yes. On oh, unbelievable. What a, what a great man. Jawan Howard also really mouthy, you know, like probably grabbing his crotch to the crowd kind of stuff. I think yeah. he did that in one one clip that you see, you'll still see today. But now, what a great dude, um, mentoring kids, a good coach. First first thing he wants to do with these kids is get them an education, you know. And it's and he's a champion. Yeah, unbelievable. And I I, I love it. That, that's my favorite part of the Fab Fab Five is that cocky kids who just had basketball and mouthed off and wore hats, you know, and they were just. They just didn't have a lot of, to me, a lot of respect for people, but they were 18, 19 years old, right? And they end up growing into these incredible people who care about other people. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's to me, that's what it's all about. How do you feel about the tension between Weber and uh, Jalen? Uh, it seems like them two don't see eye to eye ever. Man, that's a hard question because, you know, I love C-Web, but Jalen's right. Jalen's right. And, you know, it, Weber... Weber hasn't. I don't know. If, I don't know if Weber. Maybe because he was so successful in the NBA, I don't know if Weber ever found that that grace, yeah, that ability, that that humbling experience. And he's been humbled, but it's hard to admit that you've been humbled and to keep fighting it and not just say, you know, we talk a lot 
Jose about accountability, especially in our house here, even with the, the kids, the little kids. Yeah. Take accountability for your actions. Take accountability for your life. And uh, that's hard to do. I'm, I'm 49. I haven't always done it. But I, I, I hope Weber takes accountability. Yeah. And he just steps up and just says, you know what? Uh, I was a kid. And I, I was an adult. But I acted like a kid. I made some mistakes. You know? Let's make yeah. amends. I think people are... People, especially in America, are quick to forgive if you're willing to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, I got you. So when was your first experience watching the Pistons play? (laughs) Man, that was long ago. They were still in the ABA. That was the the 70s, dude, when I used to watch them play. But true memories, true memories. Um was when Kelly Trapuca and Isaiah were playing. You'd watch it. You'd watch it back in the early 80s. And they started to get good because Isaiah was good. Yeah. And people forget how good Isaiah was. And he He's was, so small, too. He was amazing. <laughs> he was amazing. And then uh, Kelly Trapuco was good. Could score. Couldn't play a lick of defense. They'd get yeah. beat like 140, 129. You know, and you're like, hey, Princeton scored 129. Everybody gets free White Castle or something. There's promotions all the time. Wow. It's you like know? freaking um, yeah. the Flint um, Tropics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Corn dogs, Jackie. Corn dogs. <laughs> I love it when they put the mascara on. <laughs> They're all just, it's all sweaty. Oh my gosh. So, do you think the Pistons would have won that year against the Lakers when Isaiah got hurt? Um, hard to say. Hard to say. Uh, you know, I'm biased. Yeah. I think they would have won. Yeah. I think they, I think they still would have won game seven if, uh, Aguirre, excuse me, Dantley and, um, and Vinny didn't bop heads. You know, like they were in pretty good position. And it's like, <laughs> you, you knew as a fan, you were like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose. Oh my gosh, we're going to lose. We're not going to get through this. And then Worthy save on the baseline. You know, I talk about all this stuff like everybody knows what I'm talking about. But Worthy had an amazing save down the baseline and the ball was going out of bounds. And Lakers were a great team before yeah. the Pistons. And even as the Pistons were decent, a lot of Michigan folks rooted for the Lakers because of Magic. Mm, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah Michigan with, with Magic being a, a Spartan. We, there was a lot of Laker fans. I mean, if you weren't a, you know, you you were like, yay, Pistons, yay, Ray Roundtree, you're good, okay, yay, John Long, okay, Isaiah, yeah, but we're going to pay attention to the Lakers and root for them. That's yeah. the way it was. So it was like, that was a weird finals, uh, both of them, back to back. But um, I think it's weird for Bulls fans, too, because Isaiah's from Chicago. Yeah. And he's like, I think, yeah. The hometown kid. Yeah, that was, and, and you know, I mean, to li- I love that that documentary came out because a lot of people don't remember that era. Yeah. And that era was tense, man. And it was a different type of basketball. I mean, yeah. people were like, Oh, Lambeer is dirty. And I was like, well, Robert Parrish was dirty. ish, You know, you know, yeah. a lot of people were dirty. I mean, they were pun. Bill Cartwright was a dirty son of a gun, you know? And I was like, that's how it was played. Cause you got away with it. And to the NBA's credit, they got rid of that. They phased that out because people were getting hurt. Yeah. People were getting whaled on. But, you know, uh, to the to the Pistons' credit, to Chuck Daly's credit, if they're going to come in the lane, you got six fouls. We'll see if the ref calls it. Go for that ball. And if your elbow happens to nail him right in the nose, that's one foul. Yeah. You know, they'll remember next time they go down the lane, you know. So, I, I mean, it was – and to, to some extent, we played that way in high school. You knew, you knew, you knew, like, especially in Michigan, no blood, no foul. You knew, you knew you had, you had five fouls to work with and it's like, there was no free layups and our coaches would tell, and I know other 
team's coaches would tell him that too. It's like you went in for an uncontested layup, contest it. Dang. Take him. Take him. You know, it was, a, it was a different type of basketball. We wore our socks up to our knees for crying out loud. So how do you how do Pistons fans celebrate championships? How do they do it in Detroit? Yeah. Or how do they do it when they're from uh, Grand Rapids like me? I don't know. How do you? How do you, we but, pump our fists a lot and go get a good night's sleep and wake up for school the next morning? Really? Yeah. Well, June. <laughs> we just wake up, go to the. <laughs> we <laughs> we wake up the next morning, go to the sporting goods store and buy a championship T-shirt. Do you know how San Antonio does it? No. How do they do it? <laughs> it annoys me because my family. What we would do is whenever they would uh, win the conference finals and win the actual finals, you go downtown honking. Now people have gotten catered away where they honk every time they win a playoff game and it's so annoying because it's premature and we looked very stupid in 2013 when we lost to miami everyone's honking yeah yeah and like all the all the you know national reporters that were in san antonio were like we could not sleep because everyone was honking down the hotel and then we ended up you know game six you know ray allen happens and then we lose right. games so it just annoys me so like my family what we would do is we you know, you win, we win the conference finals. All right, cool. We win the finals. All right, we're going honking now. But I don't know what happened between, you know, I guess 07 and, you know, our recent playoff runs that we've had. But, yeah. So that's funny. You guys raise your fist. No, no, <laughs> that's what I did. I mean, they, wow. burned, they burned half the city in Detroit that first one. Jeez. But, I mean, the Pistons played in Auburn Hills. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's two different worlds. Now the Pistons play downtown. But we'll see. Pistons are rebuilding right now. So. I heard Auburn Hills is like really far. Yeah, yeah. When you consider traffic, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you would, you know, I don't, I don't know distance per se, uh, exactly. But if you look at San Antonio, it'd be like, uh, we're Broncos. here on the west side. Yeah. Imagine driving to Shirts for the game. Oh shoot. Okay. Uh, that's a long call. Yeah. But I mean, I still call Shirts San Antonio. I call yeah us San Antonio. Yeah. 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 People are like, oh, I live in Shirts, or I live in Cibolo. I'm like, you live in San Antonio. Right. Stop it. Um. So. Were you upset when Isaiah got left off Team USA? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was already there was already a deep rooted anger. I'll call it a hatred for Pippen, and then because Pippen didn't earn anything, you're well aware as a Piston fan or as a basketball fan how great Michael Jordan was. Yeah. He's the great in my mind. I love LeBron. I'll tell you what, I love LeBron. I think well, Le, for many reasons. Damn, I LeBron. I see on. that, but I love LeBron. But I still think I still think overall Michael Michael Jordan was the best player ever. All right. I'll say ever. This is the part of the podcast where Brian needs to take his meds because he's losing his mind right now. But I'm a, <laughs> but I'm a fan of both. I'm not a hater. I know. I'm just There's joking. a lot of haters out there, especially some of the young kids that's totally discarding what Jordan was or who he was. And it's like <laughs> Jordan I'm, played I'm, against my I'm like, the, the plumbing man or the mailman. Right. And it's like, and the milkman. You see those memes with him, the crying Jordan, put his face on everything. And you're like, man, that guy was really good. I'm just telling you. So I think, I think it's hard to, hard to say, you know, if Jordan played in the same era as LeBron, well, yeah, they'd both be continuous all-stars all the time. They're amazing. Yeah. But they played different positions. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they really do. I was like, they wouldn't even guard each other. You know, like, Jordan wouldn't have guarded LeBron. LeBron might have guarded Jordan from time to time, but Jordan would have scored on him because he scored on everybody. Yeah. A good, a good game against Jordan and Dumars, Joe Dumars, was, they had the Jordan rules, and, they, and he was good with them. It was like holding him to 23 points. <laughs> that was amazing. You yeah. held him to 23. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, he torched you pretty good. You know, you make him miss hard shots. Or um, take hard shots. Yeah. I guess. yeah. 
So you guys go on a drought for what, twelve years, or not? Let's say eleven. Oh and man! Then you, you and then, then you—why you does this have to come up Let's to go. our championship? Wait, 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 wait! wait. The, our, i didn't—I don't play for the team for the, Pist- then, the Pistons then, championship. And then the Pistons add Sheed to the team. Yes, and they—they they, they steal a nice little championship from the Lakers there, which was nice. Do and then they you, run you, into the Spurs. Wait, do, no? Do you think? Because uh, I saw it was like the Shaq and Kobe doc. It's not even a doc. It was just a TNT like face-off. Yeah. Like they're just sitting together. But they said if they would have had you know their chemistry. And there was no drama. They would have smacked the Pistons. They probably could have. But it was so obvious that they were out of sync. Like, I was rooting for the Lakers on the other side of that bracket. Because I'm like, the best the best matchup for the Pistons is the Lakers. Yeah. And it was. And it was, people thought it was crazy. I'm like, yeah, it's like watch the Pistons own them. And the Pistons owned them, man. Yeah. Five, they should have won in four. And they yeah, won it was in a five. Gen- it was a gentleman yeah. sweep. It was, it was crazy. And and it was just like the you could see if if you're a true basketball fan you could see the Lakers weren't right yeah and you're like get them now get them now and Pistons got I know with Carmelo and Gary Payton yeah. and yeah that was yeah it was name recognition but they just weren't the same team. yeah they, yeah yeah so it was, it was good it was good that's why I say uh, snuck out a win or stole one from the Lakers in that run freaking then, Derek Fisher's point four <laughs> I hate that guy and then whoever and, was running that damn clock was. I still get angry about the loss of the Spurs, though, the next year. I'm not angry, you know what? Because when you when you know you've stolen one and you're you don't want to get greedy. Two in a row, that group. When you talk about Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, uh, Tayshawn Prince, Sheed, and Ben Wallace, that's not really what you think in the lore of the history of NBA as back to back champions. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mehmet Okur's your number, your, your guy off the bench, and it's like what's his name was on their team too. Um... Darko. Darko. He was on the uh, that bench. second one, yes. Unbe- I don't even want to get in. We're not talking about that. Darko. No comment when it's yeah, on. Yeah, he could have had Take Darko instead of Mellow or Wade. Or Bosch. Or Bosch. Right? Oh, my gosh. Crazy. Oh, my. But, so, um, back to, what is it, 05? Wait, we're talking about 05. Yeah. That, I kid you not, that was the only NBA Finals as a Spurs fan that I was scared of. Because I used to watch crazy highlights of Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace is the scariest guy. Like on the like, if you're like going against him, like yeah. he would pin Manu Ginobili's layups. Like Manu's like super crafty and knows how to like create space. Ben Wallace, like, yeah, he he's, was, he's gonna block. There's him. a reason he was Defensive Player of the Year for all those years and rebounding titles. And I mean, it's like it was a steal for the Pistons when they got him. It was, was part of the Grant six, Hill eight. sign and trade. <laughs> yeah, freaking he six, was. Eight? I mean, someday I hope he gets recognized, you yeah. know, by people because he he was pretty special. He was pretty special. I'm like, you know, he's not the typical guy. Like, and you know, the Hall of Fame in any sport is supposed to be for, to me, the truly um, elite. Elite, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's kind of been watered down in all sports. Football, I think, started with it. They were letting people in. You're like, I didn't even save that guy's football card. How did he make the Hall of Fame? You know, that kind of thing. But baseball... Once, with TL, now, that, that year the baseball had zero entries and then everybody was up in arms and it's like well okay it was a zero people need to follow okay. that route like i mean I, I just don't understand the up in arms this like there was a tie in the all-star game and the baseball all-star game and people were freaking out and i'm like it's an exhibition i've been rooting for a tie since i was eight years old like i wanted to see a tie yeah. right yay shake hands good job nobody cares it's an exhibition yeah go it's your all-star game and now, next thing you know, the the, the person with home, the team with home field advantage had to win the All Star game. What a joke! Yeah, you know, I get it. Just, That's funny. You get me all fired up, Jose. You <laughs> all fired up. 
So did you cry when the Spurs beat the Pistons? No, I remember I was uh, I was sitting in my favorite. I was in Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, Indiana at the time. I was doing sports, and I was uh, off. I, I don't know if I took it off or just felt that 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 was my off night. Yeah. And uh, I was sitting there drinking a cup of coffee at my favorite bar, Flanagan's in Fort Wayne. And I always drink coffee out of this glass boot. It was, you know, I had friends. There was just, you know, some gimmick or something for me. <laughs> so I was drinking coffee. And they, they had my space set up for game seven when I walked into. My 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 coffee boot was there. They called it the coffee boot. They, they had it all reserved for me right in front of my, my oh TV. My and then Timmy went off. Duncan went off. And you were just like. And there was like, sorry, you know, they're like all quiet. You know, they're all quiet around sports fans. Like, you know, like you're part of the team. And it's like, dude, don't, we're, we're good, man. We we just won, we won last year. We, yeah. and I, I, you know, we tend to say we, I'm yeah. not a part of the team. Uh, Pistons, Pistons won last year. I'm like, I'll, I'll get over it. All yeah. Right? Great run. And the Pistons did have a great run. All those um, Eastern yeah, Conference was, Finals, was five, five, six. I yeah, know, it, was, it was a lot. It was a rough for a while. I thought it was an Eastern Conference record. I could be wrong. But um, yeah, yeah the great last, group. The last one they did, uh, their last one was against the Celtics in 08. Yeah, great group. So they lost to LeBron in Cleveland yep. in the following year, 08, to the Celtics. I wanted them to beat the Celtics. I hate that Celtics team. Yeah, I just thought they bought it. You know, I, I didn't like the NBA when they were when the super team started to come together. Yeah. And it's like, you know, this is this is you know to me it's like you are where you are if you sign a free agent deal but they're arranging how they're doing to do free agencies and all these outs and you know options and it's like the miami thing they just had that documentary on too about the the heat the decision and they were like that was so shady it was just so shady to try to win titles and it's like to me two out of four the four years he was there is a letdown you know, I mean, you signed all these guys. Well, they wouldn't say that. I'm they sure shouldn't have never lost at Dallas. Say. How did they lose? It? Yeah, I don't exactly. know how they lost that Dallas how do, you lose, how do you win only two out of four? So, but, you know, again, uh, LeBron coming back, I thought that was special. When yeah, that was incredible. Cleveland. I mean, we could talk NBA. We can talk We can talk sports all day, man. Yeah. Oh, they, they don't call me sports guy for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if we were going to talk I, sports. I, I stole that from Bill Simmons. Yeah. Those of you who actually know Bill Simmons. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because he, he used to write his columns. I was just kidding. Oh, I was about to say, you just talked about him earlier. How did you not know that? You're a funny guy, Brian Bose. Nah, not so much. Man, so what? That was 08. Dang, Pistons have been a letdown since then, man. Yeah. How do you, it's been tough. How do you, how do you live with like The same way I lived when they were good. <laughs> live my life, dude. It's only sports. Like, I'm really not missing sports that much right now with the pandemic. I'm not either. The Spurs suck this year, so you know, we're so good. To me, it's like. It's just like go do other things, you know. I but I'm not a for being a sports guy all those years. I'm not a big uh, sit in front of the TV watcher, you know. I like to watch my Michigan football on weekend on in the fall and the weekend if I can. Yeah, if the family has something else to do. We'll do that. But um, no, nah, I mean, I mean, I'll catch my Tiger highlights. I used to watch a lot of Tiger baseball because I had the little MLB package, but I was single. Yeah, and, and, and once you have a family, you're like, uh-uh, I got better things to do. Yeah. Not better. I got more important things to do. Uh, put kids to bed, make sure they're fed. So it's like sports kind of becomes secondary. Yeah. And it's like I've just never been a big rah-rah guy to begin with, you know? That uh, happened to me. Uh, when I was actually an intern for Spectrum, I would cover Spurs games with Jeff Platt, who was a sports reporter at the time. And I started to do community stories for my school newspaper, and I realized, yeah, this is more fulfilling than sports. So I just stayed with it. Yeah. And, and it's you get to that point. For the longest time, my wife will tell you, I thought I was hamstrung. I thought I was um, uh, 
I thought it was stuck with sports. What do they say when an actor is uh, typecast? Typecast, yeah, yeah. Typecast, and I was going to be a sports guy because that had to be my shtick and you know the, the humor that came with it. And I got an opportunity in Tyler, Texas. We moved from Michigan to Tyler to be a news anchor. And I was really nervous about it because it's like, oh, that's a different persona. And you find your way. You find that mix of humor and seriousness and when to use it. Yeah. And then to come here and report, it's the same thing. Tell the story the way it's meant to be told. Be yourself. Use your voice. Don't try to do that. 97.3 WME. (laughs) Don't try to be that radio guy. Just be yourself. Find your voice. And that's what people want to see on TV. That's what they want to hear in podcasts, on the radio. Yeah. People want real people. So just be real. You're telling stories of real people. Tell it as a real person. And I think that works. I think. I don't know. Yeah. So how does Spectrum come into the picture? Because you've only been here for a year, right? Yeah. Got here um, Got here last June. And um, Spectrum came into the picture. Uh, I, was, I was at a, I, I want to phrase this correctly so I don't say anything that's offensive to anyone because I'm really not offended. Uh, I worked in Tyler for three years at a Tegna station up there, a CBS affiliate, as the as the uh, news anchor, and it was it was clear at the end that we didn't want to stay, and they didn't want me to stay. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. The, the GM was not a fan of mine. I was not a fan of hers, and it was going to be, it was going to be there was going to be a break. Yeah. It was just a matter of <laughs> how the break was going to happen. So uh, the news director. Uh, who hired me in Tyler ended up at Spectrum and she called me April of last year and said, Hey, I've got a reporter opening. Told me about it. And I said, yep, that sounds good. She's like, when's your contract up? I said, I don't know. It was August 16, August 13, something like that. And I said, she's like, Ooh, I was like, I'm okay. I can get out of it and got out of it, you know, with no, no big hassle. I mean, I just had, I had to stay about five weeks longer than uh, I wanted to, but we worked it out and, it's been a great move, and a lot of people, a lot of people when I first made it were like, oh, "You're going from an anchor to a reporter? Oh, that's too bad." And I thought to myself, "I was like, when did we, as a society, get hung up on titles?" Yeah. Uh, to me, it was the greatest opportunity I had to go to a big city, a diverse city, a city with tons of stories, and to be able to tell those stories rather than sit behind a desk where I had been. I had gotten complacent. I didn't get to tell a lot of stories. You're introducing your story. So, Jose, you do this killer story, right? And I got to introduce it. Well, I didn't get to tell that story. You got the you got the meat and the, you know, the meat and the blood and the gravy and the bones and everything. You got to live it. Yeah. And you know what I got to do? Watch it. But I got to say, Jose has the story. Jose Arredondo. <laughs> Jose Arredondo has the story. That's what I used to, That's what I got to say. So I got to intro the story, and it wasn't the same. Yeah, that's that's funny. Though. We laugh about that. That's <laughs> almost an inside joke, people, because um, one thing about moving to San Antonio as a West or as a Midwestern white guy is you have to learn to roll your R's. Yeah, especially you, around or, me. Or at least at least to um, to understand some words, you be like, oh, that all the that's not a D. They're rolling R's. I don't, <laughs> like Arando. See, I still arredondo. Uh, see, there's there's like to me, my my ear here is like three D's in that. <laughs> so it took me a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, those are R's. Those are double R's. <laughs> that's that's rolling R's there. I got it. Those got are some R's in yeah, that yeah, tortilla right there. <laughs> I tell you what. Yeah. So see, it took it took me some time to roll some R's, and uh, <laughs> it, it's funny. It's funny, but that that you know that's that, that's part of it. 
<laughs> being an anchor is it's just introing and I don't want to say that because I like anchoring. You can you can make a difference, but yeah, um, you know that's why I want to word it correctly because I wasn't offended to leave. We knew we wanted a different opportunity to raise our kids. We found a great city. San Antonio's magnificent. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you hear so many people, love the city. Great to be here. And then they move two years later. Yeah. We we, we were looking. I'm old. We have kids. Um, we were looking for that spot. Lay down, you know, plant plant the seed. You know, oops, there goes my LaCroix. Um, plant the seed, uh, grow the roots, build the tree, and raise your kids here. Yeah. And we found the perfect city to do that. Yeah. You know, it's hot as all get out here in the summer. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't mind it outside too much as my wife and kids really get hot. But yeah, um, this is the city we wanted to be in. Um, before this in Tyler, it wasn't the city. So it, it seemed a very natural move to, you know, take that step from anchor to reporter. And I, I don't know. I'm just confused by that because yeah. it's like to, to me, I, I'm loving what we do. Oh, me too. What you and I do, I love it. You know, and I love to I love to watch my coworkers, or as you would say, uh, your colleagues' stories. <laughs> but 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 you get to watch them. You get to see what John Salazar does. You get to see what uh, Sarah does. You get to see what you do. Uh, Chris Grisby is who's uh, abandoning us. <laughs> Chris Grisby has really taken on such a such a new role, and you see him grow. And he's a young kid, man. Yeah, you're a young kid. And it's like, to, and, and I'm old. And for Salazar and I, especially being older folks and being in this business for for longer, we get to see you guys grow, and it's fun. It's fun, and it, and it's like you're trying to keep up with the younger folk. And there's competition there within reporters. I think where it's like he did a good story, I got to do a better one. Yeah, you know, my mentor t- tells me that all the time. He's one of the best writers in, or the best writer in San Antonio. He's like, he's been my mentor for eight eight years now. And he always tells me, I see he does a great story at the Express News. I'm just like, man, he's like, he's like, come on, man. I'm just trying to keep up with you. I was like, Vince, I'm trying to keep up with you, but thanks for the compliment. And that's good. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that's, that friendly competition is yeah. real competition because you want to do better. Yeah. You don't want to be the slacker. You want to be the guy that, that everybody says, that's a Brian Bow story. Everybody wants that. They yeah. want their name for somebody to say, he does great work. She does great work. They want that. But you need somebody pushing you. That's why, like, related to sports, that's why you need somebody to push them for the starting job. Why does Mitch Trubisky need Nick Foles in Chicago right now? Because nobody pushed Mitch Trubisky could be good. Yeah. But he's been sitting there, they're like, here you go, guy. You have the job. Nobody pushed him. Yeah. So he throws 24 interceptions. Well, now you got a dude who won a Super Bowl. You gonna play well, or you gonna find yourself in the unemployment Same line? Same thing with Cam. Now he's in New England. Yes, you know, and it, it relates to a lot of things. I mean, you need that push a little bit. No, that's true. No, but I learned a lot from you. I learned from you guys all the time, like every day. Uh, I mean, you were with me on my first live yeah. shot. Yeah, I was. I was shitting bricks the whole time, dude. <laughs> but I was, that was a good one too. And I loved it. You know, I you know it was it was a story that I. I knew really That's well. That's the Kobe mural, yeah, right? The Kobe mural one, yeah. So, you know, I knew I could list the championships that the Lakers won and, or the, the years they eliminated the Spurs in the playoffs. So that was a good first live shot for me. Because, man, I see you guys. Y'all are just comp- – like, I remember that one, I think, where you were, like, on the Riverwalk. I got a escargot. <laughs> it was, like, a snail story <laughs> or something along those lines. I it was it was the third day of three river walk draining of the river walk that's right. stories. That's and right. It was a story about snails they found an invasive species species of snails. Oh, hi, baby. I started cleaning the, the plant 
Yeah, I'll turn up the air for you. Okay, it's getting a little warm inside. All right, you got it, honey. It's getting a cold. Oh, it's getting a little cold. You need a little warmer. Okay, I got you, babe. Brian's talking to his daughter. He's not talking to me. <laughs> Just in case the mic didn't catch her her voice. Oh my gosh! I lost my train of thought, but it was uh, no it was snails. It was snails, and it was invasive species of snails in the river walk. It was the third day, and it was just like, okay, man. And it was like, all right, that's going to do it from here at me, for me here at the river walk. I have to escargot. I'm Brian Bose. Oh, my news. gosh. So how do you uh, – what's, what's the story? And Chris Grisby did not know what escargot was, by the way. I, that's I right. We, we had a whole debate yes. about that. What what is escargot? Because I remember oh. I was making fun of him. I'm like, dude, I'm from the hood and I know what that is, and I've never even had a snail. Chris Grisby, yeah. that's my guy. We went to war together during the protests. Yes, you did. Oh man. Yes, you did. What what are some stories that you enjoyed? You know, th- this year specifically. Oh Have man, you... enjoyed. Uh, well, let's. Go I know r- you enjoy a lot of all of, all of them, pretty much all of them. Let's but... go right back, and and, and they're such different. Um, different areas that you cover like uh the river walk uh tour i got right before christmas that was a fun fun story to tell yeah where you know james one of our videographers i had his footage and my footage that was a fun one to tell i had to put together and it allowed you to be you know funny um uh uh uh, what was it cars 101 with faye hadley from um Faye Hadley from Women and Machine. She's the, the the Pixies and Pixie Dust or uh, Pistons and Pixie Dust. Um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, the uh, uh, mechanic. That was fun. So fun stories, and then there were some serious ones. The woman who had COVID and was on a respirator or, or was on a ventilator for thirty some days and lived. At wow. that point, the longest anybody had been on a. That was that was a cool, cool story and heartfelt. I mean, there's been a lot of stories that it made me cry and especially since covid hit just people people that don't have answers yeah and you're asking them to answer questions about things they don't have answers for and that's your job to tell a story that's truthful that's honest that's meaningful and then at the end of it you know mask on mask on head turned away i've embraced numerous people and just said you're magnificent, you know, before and after. I think those are my favorite stories is the ones like um, I had to tell a story a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Bear County sheriff who lost his life to COVID and his wife. Oh, man, held, that one was yeah, held him in her arms as he as he passed in their living room. And it was and it was really spoke to the uh, the seriousness of this disease, of this virus and how unpredictable it yes. is. He went to work, was sick, felt good enough to go to work the next day, was sick, was trying to go to work that day, and died. Uh, there was no ventilator. There was no hospital stay. This was a guy who just didn't feel well, and it got him in the course of three, four, five days, and yeah. no, and nobody knew the difference. And when I say got him, it killed him. And then his wife had to suffer through COVID after that because they can only assume that she hadn't gone anywhere that he gave it to her. So not only do you lose your husband, but then you battle COVID yourself for weeks on it. And it was, it, it, we, we talk, we still talk. We've talked uh, since that story twice a week because, awesome. because it's just, you know, I, I really relate to her and she's, you know, she, she needs, she needs a, 
she needs a, a son figure right now. You know, and you say father figure, but a son figure. And yeah. it's just, you know, she's, she has a daughter and son who were amazing and still are amazing for what she's going through. But she needs somebody just to sometimes send a text to him and be like, guess what? And I was like, yeah, it's awesome. You know, so it's like, I love those relationships that you build. And we're back to the anchor reporter thing. As a reporter, you build relationships with people that you meet face to face, that you sit down, you talk to, and you learn about them. You don't just introduce them or introduce someone telling their story, you learn about them, you become friends with them. Um, and that's the best part. It's about people. It's about relationships. And to pick, I, I have, honestly, Jose, I have like nine or 10 stories I could tell you about right now. But yeah. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to bore people with yeah. giving explanations of my stories. That was four that stuck out. Some are funny. Some are middle of the road. Some are informative. My wife loves the most informative ones. She loves when we day turn and day turn would be like you do a story Ooh, that she loves. It's hard. Six days in a row, a day turns. You get a story. You quick get the information. You put it together. You turn it that night. I see quick. like a baby at right? the end of that week. She loves those. She's like, your, your day turns are the best because they're very informative. That's that's what she likes about it. I'm like, I thought that stunk. She's like, no, no, no. It was very informative. She loved the snail story yeah. because that, that was turned that day. But it was a it was a. It was an informative story. She's like, no, you gave good information. Yeah. And then you got to show your personality at the end. So, I mean, there's a mixture. And it's like, that's that's what I like. You know, hey. I mean, the stories that stand out are the stories that have good people or subjects in them. Does it baffle you that you can go up to a person? And I told Mia this, that we have this as a privilege as reporters. This is our privilege that we have. You can go up to a stranger, tell them we want to do a story on them. And they will, like, pretty much pour out their, their whole lives to us. It, well, and, and that's a credit to you, Jose, because not everybody's willing to do that. Yeah. They have to trust you. Yeah. And you have to gain that trust. And that's why I, I find it funny sometimes that the term fake news by a bunch of yahoos is thrown out a lot. And fake news, I always, fake news used to be clickbait. You know, yeah. you know, you get, you get a clickbait and you'd be like, this is fake. Yeah. And that's where fake news came out of. And now it's just this whole term has encompassed everything. And it's like. Do you even know what fake news is? Because it's like people aren't gathering together in a newsroom going, <laughs> Snidely, I think we'll put together something fake, see? <laughs> We're going to fool all of the people, all of the public. Fake, fake, fake. <laughs> when it's seven, let's say it's six. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's, it's oh yeah, you know, if so, like if somebody makes a mistake and then they correct it, they're like, see, fake news. And it's like, Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. You know, it, we're, we're, we're doing the best we can. Yeah. And uh, we're researching stories to make sure. I mean, if anything, I think fake news has made us more intent on making sure everything's correct. Yeah. You know, I, I think maybe that is a good thing that people thought everything was fake and had to be fact checked. And now people are saying the fact checkers are fake. And it's like, <laughs> where, where does it end? Yeah. You know, so I, I, I think... Um, for me, the way I look at telling stories is just doing do the best you can, mm -hmm. do it factually, at the most uh, with the most factual information you find and are sure of, and then uh, go from there. And then you know, be accountable. If you make a mistake, just stand up and say, "Yep, screwed that one up. Sorry." But you can do a lot of legwork in the meantime to make sure everything is factual. Yeah. You can, you know, like I, I. If I do a story on someone, usually after the fact, I've, I've called them or text them two or three times to double check information. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
Like yeah. even if, if I write their name down right in front of them, I'll yeah. call them like, hey, or yeah. I'll, I'll copy and paste. I was like, hey, is this correct spelling? Yeah, one more time. Yeah, it's just something as simple title. as that, right? It just it just gives you credibility and professionalism to the fact that you know. And it shows that you care. Yeah. It shows that you give. A There's nothing shit that bothers me more than when I'm watching even a commercial or or news, and you'll see a misspelling, and it's like you didn't take the time to like look at look the fact that you left out an L there. Yeah. And you know what? You know, I mean, you, you spelled lieutenant wrong. Without yeah. an L, lieutenant, you know, you know, something like that. Lieutenant. Yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. I could, I could go on for a while, but it's probably how, boring stuff. How does it feel? Because when I arrived at Spectrum, and I, you know, I knew I was going to be the community guy. That's what I was hired on to do. That's, that's all I know. Or that's not all I know. I know every. I mean, I know sports. I know different avenues. But it seemed like when I got to Spectrum, and you know, I got accustomed to it, I started to view different people. And I feel like John and I cover the same stuff. Right. And I look at Sarah. Sarah does like health. Then Elise does, um, you know, religious stuff. Your education and Chris did a lot of politics. When did you realize that you're the unofficial official education guy? Um, because I don't know. I guess it's it just. I think for me, it 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 came upon me because of sources. Yeah. It came about me. Came came upon me because people that were in that in education were calling me with stories yeah so then you wrote down their names and the more sources you get that's kind of like you know a lot of my sources are education sources so when you're looking for a story who's the first people you call the education people yeah you know that that one that one to me and then and then you know you find that beat kind of you know i don't know if if that you call it a beat or not but then you rely on those people you're like hey you got anything i made three calls this week to just Tossing out, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. I wonder if you had anything. I saw the uh, TEA made uh, some announcements this week. You got anybody? Yeah. Is there anybody that uh, that affects? Let me know. If there's not, don't call me back. I don't want to hear from you. You know, just joking. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know. So. That's awesome. Yeah. No, and, I, and it, it's funny. I don't know when it was. You were in the newsroom. And it made me proud. I felt like you were my men, my mentee for a second. Because I know there was like, we'd be in meetings and some people would be like, well, how do you do this how do you develop a source and stuff i'm just like bro like or I hear from other reporters like who work at other places i'm like bro like it's so easy like just show face interact with people get their names down you know send yeah. them a you know maybe like a thank you text like hey like thanks for the you know the heads up or whatever um and i remember you telling me man i did this you know this one story and all these stories just come pouring in man and i'm just like exactly and this is i preach this to everybody i yeah. preach it to everybody like literally once you do that one great story, they all just start come pouring in. And, like, you won't even have trouble trying to find a story. Yeah. So, kudos to you, young man. Hey. You're going places. Thanks, Jose. I appreciate it, man. Can we go get a lollipop? <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. Go skateboarding. I actually bought a skateboard. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> I bought it last month because I did it. I don't know if you saw my skate protest story. I did not see it was, your skate. I, I was so and you it. bought a skateboard? I was so inspired by it, but check this out. That same skate shop, because that same skate shop, oh, not the same skate shop. All right, rewind. Protest, right, protest right. happens. Right, dude. Okay. Let's talk, so, let's talk about skateboarding. All right, man. man. So, like, dude, I was on a half pipe. No, 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 no. So, check this out. I'm covering oh, the protest. Grinding rails. No. No? So, I get hit with some tear gas, man. Oh. And I'm like blinded by it, and I can't see. Well, I can still see. Oh. So, I'm like on 
Houston Street, and then I see Broadway because... Dude, how could you see you had milk in your eyes, man? You had milk poured in your eyes. Because I'm like part 10% cereal, so like Dude, I absorbed it. Dude, ladies and gentlemen, Captain Crunch. <laughs> so I hit the corner, right? Right. One of my friends, she's she's just the street photographer. She, she's like, Jose, are you okay? It's like, nah, I'm... I'm not okay. Like, I have milk on me all the time. <laughs> so, Carmen. She, I'm not okay. I have so, milk. so, Carmen brings milked. me in. She brings me to the skate shop. Shout out, Carmen. Brings me into the skate shop. The guy, you know, is like, hey, you can use the restroom, the owner. Yeah. You can stay And then they upsold you on a skateboard. No, no, no. They did it. So, then, like, the guy's like, he, br- he brought in protesters who didn't feel safe or just anybody. He's like, I will. I have the video too. He's like, I will literally protect each and every one of you with my fucking heart. I love y'all. I don't care what skate color you are. That's I think the great. dude. I think he was drunk, but like yeah. he, he still cared. So then a month passes. I do a, a protest story on. This is this guy from the east side. He's never. He's known for throwing parties. These cool parties. He's never protested in his life. Never done anything like that. But he's gone to every protest. He went to every protest for thirty straight days, and he decided, let me do my own protest, but let me do it with stuff that I know. So. He's a skater. He had huge crowd of skaters, young kids, like freaking 10 year olds to, you know, 20 something year olds. And I was really moved by it. I was like, man, yeah. this is like. So uh, you went and bought a skateboard. No. So I did the my look live on a skateboard and I was like, man, this feels cool. So then I bought a skateboard, but I bought it from that same skate shop because they saved my life that night. Wow. So you see this That's scar? That's cool. You see okay, the scar? I got cool. this last month from. Plus you were supporting local businesses. Yeah, supporting yeah. local businesses. That's. So. Yeah. That's rad, dude. It's gnarly, bro. That's gnarly, rad. It's gnarly, man. All right, Brian. I usually um, end each episode by telling people talk your ish. You can like. I have know, no idea what that means. Basically, talk your shit. <laughs> I just wanted to censor myself, but it's talk your shit's basically like you being proud of something, or you just like you know you can rant about anything or whatever, or or I'm just. I have a I have a rant, and I want to make sure. Um, I want to make sure it's uh, it's taken the right way because uh, it's funny because I was going to put it on Facebook today and then I've decided to stay off Facebook today. Yeah. Because I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've seen uh, I've seen what we've gone through. Yeah. In, in our country um, recently, and and the weird thing I think there's I don't know if anybody's noticed that there's this trend for certain people, mostly white men, to go on and throw themselves a pity party. Or to feel bad because they're judged for being who they are. Yeah. They're being uh, uh, judged to be uh, racist or they're judged to be um, uh, homophobic or they're judged to be misogynistic. And I found it very odd that these people don't like to be judged just for being human beings. And the reason for that is they might not be racist and they might not be misogynistic and they might not be homophobic. But for the longest time, these people that are complaining about how they're being judged have been at least, at the very least, indifferent. Indifferent to the way other people have been treated. Yeah. They've been sitting on the sidelines. They've been sitting in the cheap seats, enjoying a nice bowl of it's not happening to me too bad popcorn or sitting there having a nice diet, ah, tough break Coke. And they haven't cared. Mm-hmm. So now, to me, that indifference that that willingness to just let somebody else take the fall 
is just as evil as people that are racist or are misogynistic or who are homophobic. You are being grouped into those people, whether you feel that way or not, because you haven't been able to or are able to speak up about injustices in our world. So I'm sorry that nobody's at your pity party. The seats are empty. I'm really sorry about that. But your indifference has caused this. So when you whine about being white and that you're not racist and you're not misogynistic and you're not homophobic, you might not be. You might not be. You might not have one inch of your soul, of your fiber of your being that feels that way, but you haven't made a difference. And you're still not making a difference because you're complaining about yourself. You're making this about yourself and not about doing better for others. So when people say Black Lives Matter... Yes, black lives matter. You know what? All lives matter too. We got it. We understood it. We've we've known for a long time that murder is wrong. All lives matter. But black lives matter. Get it through your skull what you're talking about. When people say everybody has a right to live the way they feel, that's about LGBTQ rights. Yes, we understand you're not homophobic and people are fine living the way they want to be. As long as they don't affect you. That's usually the way you guys end that statement. As long as they don't come on to me, that's wrong. Yeah. That's wrong. If you have been fine with women's rights and women's lib, I'm older, people saying women's lib, you haven't got it through your skull that you're still misogynistic. So for you fellas, or I shouldn't say fellas, because I say I see some other people that posted as well. But for you people that have sat down and decided that that's your stand, that you're going to stick up for yourself right now, that you're the ones that are being looked down, all I have to say is welcome to the party. How does it feel to be judged for just being a human being, for just being on this planet? doesn't feel good, does it? And it's time to speak out about that. And if you're still not getting it, I feel sorry for you. Ooh. We will end episode 18 on that note. Brian, where can the people find you? Right here in my backyard with you, brother. What are you talking about? <laughs> Listen to Jose. Listen to Jose. Listen to Jose. Oh, oh my oh, gosh. Man. Is that how you end it? I got to give him my Twitter. At hey. Brian Bowes. B-R-Y-A-N. B-O-E-S. B-R-Y-A-N. B-O-E-S. With an uh, pound sign at the beginning of that. It's not really a hashtag anymore, right? Is it a pound sign? What are pound signs? I don't know, back, in, back in the day. Well, that's an ampersand, right? What's the at? Oh, oh the, the, um. No, ampersand's an and, right? That's an at sign. At, at Brian Bose. I don't just say that's handle. An but, but, but pound signs are, uh, a hashtags. hashtags yeah. yeah. You're yeah. talking about the at. Uh, back in my day, a hashtag was a pound sign. In an ampersand, what well, we just wrote A and D. And if you didn't like it, well, we sent you back to fourth grade with your elementary school teacher in the chalkboard, in the recess, in the monkey bars. And if you fell on your face and busted your lip, you went to the drinking fountain, there was no water in it, and just sat there for five minutes and cried. Then you came back to class and used the one-person bathroom and pooped on the seat. And that's the way it was, and we liked it. For you, Jose. That's how we'll end it. That's where you find me. Because you love the old guy voice. I love it. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Stay brown.